0: We'll wait another minute or two. See who comes tonight. Hey, you want to be on camera? Sure. Okay. No, no salmon. Hmm. I am muting. Somehow everybody got in without being muted. Now I'm walking around muting. I don't think I have to mute myself though, but I'm going to mute you, Lloyd. (laughs) There we go. Alan, I'm muting you. Okay. Okay, hi Johnny, good to see you. Okay, everybody, let's begin more formally. Uh, Good evening, I'm Eugene Cash. If we haven't met before, I'm the founding teacher of San Francisco Insight. I'm getting some waves from some people, so it's always good to wave back. Um, (laughs) um, We'll sit for about 30 minutes and then there'll be uh, some announcements and then a talk And discussion so please uh, please take a sitting posture that works for you whether it's on a cushion or a bench or on the chair and as best as possible see if you can sit on your sits bones so that you're sitting upright from the base of the spine all the way through the back of your neck. And checking your body, scanning your body, letting your attention be embodied so that you can feel or sense if your body's balanced or not. You can check to the right or to the left or forward or backward. And then notice if there's any place of tension or holding that you can relax very simply, very easily. And the places that I often check, first of all, are my jaw. And then the shoulders. and then scanning through the torso so that my chest and belly are relaxed. Letting my body relax here, even though I'm sitting upright and being alert. So a combination of being relaxed and awake at the same time. And you can be mindful of the body as we've been doing by just being mindful of the posture and adjusting it. And then also being mindful of the fact that the body's breathing. And you don't have to do the breath. The breath generally is happening all on its own. What we want to do is be aware of the body and the breathing that happens naturally. Letting ourself establish a sense of embodied awareness by being aware of the body sitting here and breathing. really helps to spend a few minutes devoting oneself to the body and the breathing to establish a sense of embodied awareness or presence of knowing this very simple experience of being alive. You don't have to do anything special except be aware. establishment of embodied awareness comes with samadhi, when we devote ourselves to simply being right here, right now, with this experience of the body breathing.
1: Eugene,
0: I think you're muted. can't really hear you. Thank you. Uh, I was uh, adding in some words that I thought would be helpful. So it's good that I believe it was Happy who said that. Um, What I was saying was, in addition to being mindful of your body, Please be mindful of your mind during this sitting. Be mindful of whatever words are appearing in your mind as you sit. Right? You can just notice whatever your mind is telling you or saying to you or displaying as you sit here. Whatever thoughts come in the form of words. And of course, some people use words to help sitting. Some people will direct themselves with words saying, okay, be mindful of the breath or stay with the breath or be aware of the body. Or sometimes the words are some people like to note what's happening like in-breath, out-breath, in-breath, out-breath. Or, they might note, um, spacing out. Or um, warm, meaning their body feels warm. And so just notice if you are using any words to help support your meditation, what's the tone of the words? Are they accurate? Are they clear? Are they kind? Sometimes the words that come as, oh, I'm a horrible meditator. Those aren't the most skillful words to use. And notice, of course, what words are irrelevant to the meditation. What words do you not need to listen to right now? So staying mindful being aware of the body, the breath, and being aware of the mind today. Staying very present moment by moment by moment. As we establish this embodied awareness. have a couple minutes of announcements from Michelle before the talk. Michelle.
2: Michelle here. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple of announcements on some upcoming um, retreats. There is a five day online retreat with Pamela and Eugene on August 11th to the 15th. And there is another called Days of Awe. And this is at, um, this is on September 13th through the 20th and that's at Spirit Rock. The first one that I mentioned is an online meditation retreat and the second one is on land. So that one is with Eugene and Howard Cohn, Victoria Carey and Hakim Tafuri. I'll put links to all of these in the chat if you have more questions. There's also another one coming up called No Part Left Out. This is for a retreat for self identified women. It's also online, and that is September 27th through October 1st. And lastly, all of these talks are on Dharma Seed. So um, I'll put a link to that too if you'd like to re listen to any of these, or if you miss a Sunday, um, we can be with us even though you weren't here. So, um, and this is a lovely way to start your week, but we also have a Monday, every Monday, we have a midday Dharma and that's at noon Um, it's a lovely small group um there it's a revolving led by revolving teachers um from our song here of eileen and and Kyra, and i believe we have felix that's coming on yeah again all of these will be in the chat i'll put it in and now i'd like to turn it over i think to eileen to talk about john
3: thank you
0: okay thank you Mick. Thank you michelle
4: michelle um yeah and i'll just add that this month the midday dharma is um working with equanimity so you'll have four different versions of practicing equanimity from different perspectives so um i put the, the um, link for donna in the chat and um like many of you know um the dharma is offered freely and we support the Dharma in the tradition, the Buddhist tradition of 2,600 years um, from Asia, in, in a way that allows us to be here supporting, to be able to hear the Dharma because it's been a lifetime of other people supporting mm-hmm. the Dharma, and so you know just this tonight will support SFI and support Eugene. Um, that comes from many, many generations of supporting back to Jack Cornfield, to Ajahn Chah, and and onward. And the Buddha felt like this was such an important teaching because of um, the loving kindness that it creates in the heart, that he made it the first teaching to lay people. And what I would say is one practice you can do is, um, as Eugene was referencing mindfulness of the body, is. When you hear just the mention of Donna, what is happening in your body when you hear that? Is there a sense of um contraction or tension or does it bring up a sense of ease and joy? You know, or what's the feeling tone of is it pleasant, is it unpleasant? Um and then just to just to note that as you carry out your um your actions, whether it's it's um providing donna through um supporting the board through the um michelle is is a new member on our board so that's an act of generosity um or you can donate through the donate button on the in the chat or on the website and you can make it a um a monthly thing automatic on the website as well so you're welcome to to do that tonight or you can make it an ongoing monthly thing and again circumstances are different for everyone. And so um, if your funds are limited, and you, and you don't have funds to offer, that's okay, too. It's all here for you.
0: Great. Thank you, Aline. <clears throat> and of course, the one thing that I always like to uh, say about Donna is thank you all for your generosity, the generosity of whatever you might offer uh, in terms of supporting the the Dharma through SFI and the teachers, but also the generosity of your presence here, which is really maybe the most important thing you can give to everybody everywhere, is really being right here. So uh, with that, I'll begin the talk. The talk tonight is about right speech and mindful speech. And I uh, sent out a quote that you may have seen, but I'll read it from Saira Utejaniya, who said, it shouldn't be called noble silence. It should be called noble talking. Noble noble means wise. The Buddha didn't say, don't speak. The Buddha said, when you speak, speak with awareness and wisdom. And of course, if I was uh, talking to Saito Uteshani, I would say to him, well, the Buddha said, speak with awareness and presence and wisdom. And, uh, and so, my understanding is that noble talking includes both right speech and mindful speech. And of course, talking, right speech includes right listening. So even now, we're, par- we're both participating in a practice that happens all the time whenever we communicate. And often people want to know how to practice more fully in their daily life. This is the easiest and not easiest t- way to practice is while we're communicating, whether we're speaking or listening. Because it means, can you be here? Can you really be here? Can you fully be here? Can I be here? Can I fully be here while I'm uh, talking? And can you be embodied while it's happening? <clears throat> and so right speech has to do with uh, a kind of embodied intelligence. Um, and, and that really means we start to speak from what we've learned from the Dharma. right? That we begin to speak because we're here in the present moment and seeing what's true in each moment, and what needs to be said, or what's appropriate to be said at any time, using our intelligence and our kindness and our present-centeredness of actually being here. Which is usually the hardest part, is actually being in the moment. Uh, most of us are somewhere else while we're trying to be in the moment. And so, we don't want to use words to blame ourselves, but we want to, we want to see what's true in the moment. That's, that's practice, that's mindfulness practice. And so, you know, what's called wise speech, which is in the Majima Nikaya, is about abandoning what's, false speech. Right, one abstains from from not being truthful. Right, abandoning malicious speech—speech speech that uh, attacks people or even attacks oneself. Like, like that's a no-no in Buddhism. Don't don't use malicious speech. Right, abandon harsh speech. See see how kind you can be when you speak. And then the fourth part is abandon uh, gossiping. And that's a really interesting one, to see how much we might be talking about other people as gossiping. And it's a very um, culturally pervasive practice that many cultures engage in, at least many of the cultures I've come into contact with. People like to talk about everybody else. And and so it's one of the practices you can take away for this week is don't talk about anybody else who's not in the room with you and see what happens. It's a very interesting practice. Generally, I I lose a lot of what I have to say if I'm not talking about anybody else who's not right here in the present moment. And there's some conditions that support right speech, wise speech is to speak at the right time, to say what's true, to be kind, and try to speak so that it's beneficial to self and others, and to speak with an open heart. And, and, uh, and so, if we can do that, if we can even attempt to do that, we're practicing whenever we're in relationship. Like right now, this becomes practice. This is not just for me, it's not, I'm the one who's speaking right now. It's not a job, even though it's my role to be the teacher, but it's also practice for myself. How can I say what's true and what's accurate and do it in words that people can hear? And also uh, keep my heart open even when I'm communicating And this, I don't mean this here, but it happens here too. Sometimes people get angry at me or don't like what I say, and that's fine. But I mean, how to do that with a kind heart for the whole, for whenever I'm communicating with people. And speech is so powerful. Anybody not get that, that speech is very powerful? Please raise your hand if you don't think speech is powerful did you, did anybody notice the what they were telling themselves during the meditation did any did anybody not have any words right like just going on their own as if they're true and some of them may have been true but some of them may not have been true and it's it's interesting i was watching my own um, uh, getting ready for the talk, working on the talk today, preparing it, reading some things, and uh, thinking about what I wanted to say, and then watching what my mind would say about it. Oh, that's good, or that's bad, or that's right, or that's wrong. And, and it's not that, that I, I have to stop doing that. That's fine to see what's right or wrong, or good or bad. But what's the tone of the words? is it done out of discernment or out of anger or out of fear right cuz it's always you always get a little nervous before you're going to teach and uh, and and it's uh and if if you start to uh, believe the words that come that are based are on anger or fear or wanting to be great then you start to move into the world of dukkha that the words, that the language, that's a speech, inner speech, will lead to dukkha. And if you don't know the word dukkha, it means suffering. <clears throat> and of course, words. If if you're um, if you're in a relationship of any kind, or you have friends, words are really an important part of how we how we live together, whether it's with one other person, or a few people, or in a community, or in a culture, like words. Words condition how we experience life together, and then to see what's the goodness that can come with words that are skillful, and the difficulty that comes with words that are unskillful. And of course, this is on each level, even in a couple, or a friendship, or in community, or of course, in politics, right? I was, I was uh, looking at something that somebody said about on the national scale, that uh, candidates for office, like for presidential office, there was a thing where they were evaluating how much of what they said was truthful and accurate. And even the best of them were only about 50% true, right? 50, yeah, it's a little bit of a wow, it's like, you know, but, but that's because they're in a, they're in a profession where they're trying to sell themselves through words. And so it's an interesting question for all of us, because we all want to be wanted, loved, cared for, appreciated honored, whatever it is you may want, whatever you may want from somebody else. And so to begin to watch how our speech might get conditioned by our desire to be loved or wanted or voted into office or whatever it might be. And to see what happens as we pay attention to our our, um, intention not just what we say, but what's the intention, why are we saying it? Hmm. And it's one of the great practices that I have in my life, which is being in relationship. And being trying to be real and honest and truthful in relationship even when it's difficult. Because if you've ever been in a relationship, maybe I don't know if this is true for everybody, but they're always difficult, as far as I can tell, sooner or later, you know, it ha- they have their difficulties. But but that's not a bad thing. The key in that I've discovered in relationship is can we talk about it when it's difficult? when I don't like what you're doing or what I don't, why I don't get what, why the hell did you do that, you know? And and can we talk about it so that we can be clear and let go of any misunderstanding we might have together and use the power of words to free us from our reactions? And of course, we all need to learn how to tell the truth, right? As Thomas Merton said, he said, we make ourselves real by telling the truth. And I I love that. I, I really love that. I love the idea that we can be real by speech, by what we have to say. And I've been in, you know, I've had the good fortune to lead a lot of groups in different situations. And, and the piece that I'm always interested in is, can we be real together, even when it's difficult? Because it is, because we don't see things the same way, or we have different perspectives based on who we are, or the particulars of what we've grown up with or what we've experienced. And so to be able to say what's true and say it in a way that is skillful enough so people can hear it, even if they're going to disagree with you. Very important. It's a a part of the practice of right speech. And so, of course, I will ask you all to reflect about when are you not truthful, right? Or when do you fudge the truth? Because I'm pretty truthful, but I fudge it sometimes fudge, meaning I'll just change it a teeny bit, like you wouldn't even notice. And most people don't notice, because I'm the only one who knows. But but the question is, oh, why do I do that, right? What's the motivation for not being totally truthful? And is there some greed or some desire for a certain kind of recognition or self-aggrandizement or... or um, You know what I notice that I do sometimes in wanting I want to be liked, and and uh, and so in order to be liked sometimes I'll use humor, and I'll I'll say things that aren't quite true because they're funny, and and I'm assuming the people know I'm saying something that's not true in order to get a little laughter or to relax together. And to, so, so if they laugh, I, I, there's some very primitive feeling like, oh, they, they like me, I'm okay then. And it's not a horrible thing, but it's still very interesting for me when I don't do it, when I just say what's actually truthful and see what happens. And it's a little more bare, the experience, and it's a little more stark sometimes. And it's a little more uncomfortable for me, but there's something else good that happens about just being truthful and seeing and seeing what happens if I speak the truth. As Mark Twain, the American writer said, he said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And that's a beautiful, beautiful teaching. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Meaning, you don't have to remember what you said that wasn't true. That you have to make sure to cover, or, or, or not, not, um, not give away the fact that you said something untrue. And I've done. I've watched myself be untrue in more serious ways, especially when I was younger there was a certain, uh, I had an ability to lie that was based on greed and delusion, greed and delusion. And so you see the dharmas there, and the greed and delusion especially had to do with my political proclivity when I was a young man in the 1960s and against the government and against everything authoritarian. And so I just thought I could say anything I wanted to say, whether it was true or not, because I thought it didn't matter whether it was true or not to get what I wanted, which is some kind of political freedom. And it was really, um, uh, it was really um, sobering to see the dukkha that that can cause. And uh, yeah, and that happened, I I was very anti-capitalism and I think I've mentioned this before, but I once stole some money from... I was in a theater group that performed in different places, and we were we were supposed to perform... I was going to say the name of the theater, but see, now I'm afraid to say the name of the theater because I don't want them to come after me, you know, 50 years later, but they probably won't. The Beacon Theater in New York. And, uh, and I remember sitting to wait to meet with... Uh, uh, whoever it was who was hanging us. I was on a couch and there was a there was a folder there and I opened it up and there was an envelope in there and I looked at the envelope and there was some money in there and there was nobody there. So I took the money and put it in my pocket because I was poor. And I was poor, but I wasn't really poor like that. I didn't need to steal the money and I did. And then it was like, I remember uh, being so nervous talking to the people that they would find out oh it was me who stole the money and so you see the the karma the impact that happens with being dishonest and and you know yeah and it's nice now cuz i don't worry about what i say 90% of the time 99% of the time really cuz i don't i don't lie a lot. That's just not my thing. And so it's, it's nice to just be able to be real with anybody and see what happens, because that feels like it lands me in the Dharma and the goodness of the Dharma that's right here. Adrian Rich, the American writer, she said, Lying is done with words, but also with silence. Lying is done with words and also with silence. And that's a, that's a powerful understanding that I'm sure we've all seen when we didn't speak up, when we knew something was wrong, and we didn't say it, we didn't acknowledge it, we didn't verbalize it and it's one of the practices that I, that is an edge practice for me if i see something that's really inappropriate i want to say something no matter where i am and of course it has it has to do with any of the prejudices or biases in which people often speak consciously or unconsciously whether it's racism or sexism or genderism or or I don't even know the ism word for, you know, uh, economic disparity and things like that. But really to say something when it's inappropriate. And that's, that's a practice for me that I've taken on, and that I think is really important, because I think lying is done with silence. And to not say something is a different way to lie. And I, the, the, of course, the bigger example is looking at you know four hundred years of racism in America, and how many people just denied it or lied or wouldn't say anything because it wasn't them, right, that it was happening to. People would would think, right, and there's uh, so the importance of speaking injustice both individually but collectively too. <clears throat> Again, another quote from Adrian Rich, she says, an honorable human relationship, that is, that is one in which two people have the right to use the word love, is a process of deepening the truths they can tell each other. It is important to do this because it breaks down human self-delusion and isolation. An honorable human relationship that is one in which two people have the right to use the word love is a process of deepening the truths they can tell each other. It is important to do this because it breaks down human self delusion and isolation. And it's so, it's just beautiful. Can we be real with one another? Can we be truthful? And learn how to do it, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's difficult for us, even when it may uh, cause discomfort for someone else. Even though the di- but sh- you want to sure that that's not the intention of the speech is not to cause discomfort, but to be real together. Mm. Um. There's a really interesting acronym from Jonathan Faust, who's a meditation teacher. He has an acronym called WAIT, W-A-I-T, WAIT, and WAIT stands for Why Am I Talking? And that's also a really good piece of right speech. Why are we talking? And one of the ways you could play with this this week is just to look and see, why are you talking when you're talking? What's the reason? What's the motivation? What's the intention? What's the desire? What's the hope? And, and to start to really recognize both, because then you start to have choice about when you speak. Why am I talking? And this is a little bit related. There's a Pali word that I just learned this week called uh, uh sampa palapa. sampapalapa. Sampapalapa. Great word, sampapalapa. Sampapalapa. I'm still trying to really get it in my mouth. Sampapalapa. And it, that that's a Pali word that means useless talk. <laughs> useless talk, right? The urge to say something meaningless. And it's a great area to to look in and to discover, to see for my, myself, where am I just saying something that's meaningless and why? And what happens if I don't? Right, Which is always part of the great investigative quality of Dharma practice, to experiment with the Dharma and then see what happens when we when we engage it, when we make it come alive, when it comes alive for us.
3: <clears throat>
0: the Buddha, when uh, he wasn't talking about the opposite of Sapa Palapa, but he said, one speaks at the right time in accordance with facts, speaks what is useful, speaks of the Dharma, uh, such that a person's speech is a tre- treasure uttered at the right time accompanied by reason moderate and full of sense and so there's a whole a whole tapestry of components that can support our right speech or our wise speech or speech that's skillful and embodied and we can take it on as a practice if again if we do this for one week take on right speech on as a practice like Do a short meditation every day this week, but do a 24-7 every time you communicate practice this week, and see what happens. Because it it really starts to imbue one with the Dharma 24-7. And there's a lot more that I could say. I've got a lot more pages. Let's see, what do I want to say? Speech. I see. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story I heard about Milton Friedman, who's a spirit rock yogi. It's not the famous Milton Friedman, who's a, who's a you know a Nobel Prize winning economist, but but uh, you know a more of a kind of regular person Milton Friedman. But he worked uh, in government for the Carter administration. He worked in the White House. Uh, and uh, he got a call at some point from one of the biggest churches in the world. They calling the White House to talk to Milton Friedman, and so he got the call, and he picked it up. and And this church had a portfolio of something like two hundred and forty billion dollars. So that's a that's a lot, that's a good chunk of money. That's they're they're doing okay, and and they were calling him and. They said, they said, is this Milton Friedman? And he said, yes, because he's Milton Friedman. And they said, we have all this money. What do you think we should do with it? And Milton Friedman, who's got a little bit of Buddhist background, he said, uh, have you considered giving it to the poor? <laughs> Which is such a beautiful thing to say, right? I mean, that like that makes that seems a little like a no-brainer to me, but I have my own bias about things like that. So, but so they said, you know, we have all this money, what do you think we should do with it? He said, "Have you considered it giving it? Have you considered giving it to the poor?" And they responded. They said, "Is this the real Milton Friedman?" He said, "Yes. Is this the real church?" And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story of just being very direct and very clear and very honest and very real with them. Yeah. Yeah, the Buddha said, he said, words have the power to destroy and heal. When words are both true and kind, they can change the world. And I, I believe we've all felt that when we've heard good words from good people that were sincere, that were meaningful, that were heartfelt, that were real. And, and it's always so great. And I mean, there, there's so many different people, you know, who have inspired us at times. Mm. And then the last piece I'll say Oh, there's so many good pieces I have here. But the last one, I've said it many times, but it's my favorite about about truthful speech from Bhikkhu Bodhi. He said, Truthful speech provides in the sphere of interpersonal communication a parallel to wisdom in the sphere of private understanding. Right? Wisdom consists in the realization of truth. Truth is not just a verbal proposition, but the nature of things as they are. To realize truth, our whole being has to be brought into accord with actuality, with things as they are. Truthful speech establishes a correspondence between our own inner being and the real nature of phenomena, allowing wisdom to rise up. So I'm going to... I'm going to stop there, and I I assume, I didn't say this, but you know I'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, what, what made sense, what didn't make sense, any questions, and please raise your hand, and somebody's already raised their hand, but I want to encourage Just before I start answering, I want to encourage everybody to really consider raising your hand. What would you want to ask or say or comment on in terms of speech? And can you do it and stay embodied while you're doing it? Be mindful of your body while you're doing it. Okay, Jody, we're going to start with you, so please unmute yourself.
5: sorry, I'm not in a good space to turn on okay. my table right now.
0: Okay, picture is um, good enough then. <laughs>
5: um, so I'm curious about kind of like exceptions to the rule. I mean, you know, it seems fairly straightforward, you know, to be honest. Um, but you know, it, there are some situations where I think it gets into a gray area in terms of
0: Give give me an example, Jody.
5: Yeah, so I can think of two examples. So the first would be, you know, like in a professional setting. So, for example, let's say you're applying for another job and you don't want to disclose that information to your current employer because if you don't get the job, then,
6: Mm -hmm.
5: you know, maybe they'll think you're not committed and it's just maybe not great information to have. That's
0: like one one example. Yeah, okay, Uh, let me answer. Okay. Yeah, don't tell them. Yeah. (laughs) It's very simple what you're saying. If you get the job, then tell them, right? Right? But it's just you're working in a world that, yeah, creates. so So that's a way that saying something that's true is it doesn't need to happen partly because it'll create a lot of reactivity whether you get the job or not.
5: Right. But so I guess, you know, you might have to like maybe say you're taking a sick day and lie about why you're taking it, for example, for an interview, you know, so well, there might be an element of like dishonesty associated with it. Well but.
0: that that would I would be careful not to do that. I wouldn't take. A, I would say I need or a day a off. A day. It's, it. it's, you could just say it's private. You don't have to explain it to them. Yeah. So again, so that's where you look at how you use speech. To be honest, um, I need to take a day off. It's private. Thank you. Yeah. And so you're not lying. By saying I need a sick day or I need a vacation I'm taking a vacation.
5: So then the, the second example that mm-hmm. feels a little bit more complicated to me is like, you know, sometimes in personal a personal situation
7: mm-hmm.
5: might there might be situations where you want to sort of let's say fudge the truth in order to like be kind to spare maybe someone else's feelings you know like i don't know let's say for example i'm i'm gonna go out like dancing with my friend and she's feeling insecure about her appearance and says something and i you know maybe say something to like reassure her make her feel more confident even if it's maybe embellishing the truth Mm -hmm. because it feels like the kind thing to do I don't
0: know, those kind of situations. Sure, sure. So, so keep looking at how can you say something that's encouraging to her and you don't have to lie. I mean, you could just say, oh, I'm, I, I can't wait to go dancing with you. Or, or let's go, you know, I mean, yeah. It's something positive about the action. E- even though she may feel uh, nervous about how she looks, that's true. I mean, and, and again, it's not that we're trying to um, protect everybody from, from internal feelings that we each have, of nervous or insecure. But, but you could say whatever it is that's positive that you feel about her, that might help encourage her to not just pay attention to the harsh words she's saying to herself. Does that make sense?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I so I just, I, I feel like there are other situations that are more complicated that I can't think of a yeah. good example of right sure. now. I'm, no, I'm, but- I don't know if you can, but I just feel like, I don't know, sometimes there must be a situation where it could be appropriate to bend the truth.
0: If yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say yes, there is some situations to bend the truth, but I think also uh, I, uh, that's one way to look at it, uh, but also I'm interested in, oh, how could I be skillful here mm-hmm. in say what might be helpful or with as little or as much as possible without bending the truth?
5: Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it
0: becomes a practice that we learn how to do. We don't know how to do it.
5: Okay, yeah, that's, that's helpful.
0: Okay, give it, give it a go and let us know what happens. Okay, uh, wait, I'm gonna do... Okay, who's up now? Lloyd Rath, please unmute Mr. Wrath. and speak up. Hi Eugene. Hey Lloyd. Uh
3: yeah, thank you very much for uh, your teaching tonight and very thankful to come to your Sangha or our Sangha every Sunday.
0: Our uh, Sangha, yeah. I, I hope we do come together live some someday.
3: Yeah, I would love that, man. I really miss I really miss not uh, not seeing everybody in person. But I understand, once again, it looks like COVID is uh, not gone away. So my, my question, um, yeah, it's about white speech and not saying things. Because, you know, I worked in a very hierarch, hierarch, hierarchical industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so for a period of time in, in my career, and it was the career that I wanted, and it was a place that I wanted to work at, but the the person who was in charge was was uh, very very difficult, and not only professionally but even his personal political views um, I would have to listen to, and and I knew that he was a very vindictive and and closed minded person and I made the decision just to keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on it, you know, I made it through the career and eventually I I I became the boss. And but yeah, it was really hard not saying anything. And I felt like I, I cheapened myself by
0: Yeah, my, watch out, watch out for the self judgment. Yeah. Those the, that's not so helpful. Those that kind of uh, attitude and speech. It's it's just words, you know. But I cheapen myself. Uh, you know. It sounds like you did the best you could in a difficult yeah. situation. Yeah. For sure. And so so that's again seeing through the eyes of the Dharma is seeing that you did the best you could, and maybe you would do it differently now. Who, who knows, but you're a different person now than you were then.
3: Yeah. Thank you very much, Eugene.
0: You're welcome. Take good care. Yeah. Eileen, please.
4: I, um, yeah, I was gonna touch on some of what Lloyd just mentioned when you're in a position of, um, Less than in the power dynamic, it you really mm. sometimes your only choice is not to speak. You know, yes, for, for your livelihood. Um, but it just it just brings to mind. I, I went to a lecture um, on Friday of a woman who runs a podcast. Her name is Anna Sale, and it's called um, Death, Sex, and Money. That's her podcast.
0: What, what's it called?
4: Death, Sex, and Money.
0: Oh, that's my kind of world.
4: Yeah, you would love it. You would love it. And so she wrote a book called Let's Talk About Hard Things. And so my friend and I went to the lecture and she said, you're the last person who needs this because you find a way, you find a way in and it doesn't have to be a hard conversation. But, um, you know, what, what does the Buddha say about that? Like, if you, like, you can make it kind sometimes, um, but sometimes if you're on the receiving end, it's never going to be timely if you are in denial of death or denial of racism or sex. Right. Um, you know, so so where do you know, I, I know you can nudge people along the way here and there, but um, did he talk about that or do you have wait, wait,
0: Wait, I'm not sure what the question is exactly.
4: Like, you know, you you want these perfect conditions of, you know, is it kind, is it timely? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. all of those perfect scenarios, but but if someone's not ever gonna be ready to talk about
5: a so different that, subject.
0: Right, so then maybe it's not timely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, and, and you know, it doesn't mean you can't say something. But you wanna, one wants to be aware of one's desire or what one thinks they want to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not in control of anybody, barely in control of ourselves, which is we would like to have a little more uh, clarity with ourselves so we can just be real and honest and truthful when it, it's skillful. And when it's not, it also means being quiet. And the Buddha knew when to be quiet, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the most famous example I have is when people were going to war and he realized he couldn't stop them from doing it. So he was, he didn't say anything, even though he didn't want anybody to go to war. And so, and that's, part of the edge of practice. And that's how practice seeps into every particularity, like right speech. Great, thanks. Okay. Amy. Hi, Amy. You Hi. guys not here, there you go. Good.
6: There I go. Um... What came up for me was, especially that sentence, we make ourselves real by telling the truth. Right. And I asked, who's truth? I mean, usually I'm listening to the authority of my own reactive mind and emotions.
0: Right. Who's and listening to that?
6: Right, there's no separation. I'm I'm just that.
0: Uh-huh. I'm just, but right. So that's good to, that you're aware of that because mm-hmm. you don't just want to believe that.
6: Right. And there's other moments when I can struggle with that, stay in front of it and find an authority. Um, I don't know how to say, a higher authority than my mind right I'm
0: active yeah so you're if i'm speaking in buddhist language i would say you're you're able to be aware of the small sense of self and not just believe it or buy into it and there's a bigger sense of self starting to reveal itself and that gives you more choice about how you act and what you say
6: my struggle right now is that I am living in a uh, community, a senior facility, Mm -hmm. where there's a ton of rules and people who are controlling and fearful. And it's an authority I don't respect. And it's really hard for me Mm -hmm. to um, find, you know, (laughs) to not react, I guess, to that authority and say the hell with it.
0: Right, but you can react without having to believe the reaction. Be aware of the reaction, because there's a lot of energy in reaction usually, a lot of energy, and instead of just buying into that energy, be aware of it, and then see what... necessarily help you discern how to respond skillfully to what you don't like.
6: Yes, in fact, it confuses it.
0: Right. And so you want to pay attention to your reactivity more than what you're reacting to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just becomes part of practice, Mm -hmm. like all of life it is not easy. Yeah. And yet, you have a lot of skills. And so use your skills, both meditation, inquiry, and understanding.
6: There's something um, that that I think was misunderstood as, as I was learning that in some sense, mindfulness was submissive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because it's kind and, you know, it's soft and but that's not true i mean if you could be if you were aware of what you were saying it could be um very powerful words where where what you're submitting to is a higher authority and not
0: right the rules around you yeah well because the rules around you somebody's structured to support you and everybody else. And sure. they, may, they may not, but, but how you work with it is still up to you. Yeah. Challenging. Challenging, well, practice is challenging.
6: Yeah, thank you.
0: You're welcome, take care. Happy. Hi, thanks a
1: lot hey. for the you.
0: were you the one who saved me from the mute yes (laughs) (laughs) i thought so (laughs) thank you
1: yeah definitely glad to do that because i want to hear what you're trying to guide us and say so yeah (laughs) (laughs) sure um yeah i think this is a really great topic because in terms of both being right and truthful i run into this challenge where like for example in like in conflicts in interpersonal relationships like i think sometimes i think i have a tendency to like oh something is like saying with my partner like i feel like sometimes like oh something's not working i have a tendency to say it right away but i also notice oh sometimes because i notice that i'm upset about something maybe i say it in a angry way i mean they're still true like what i said is still true
0: right no, but you're, you're bringing up a good point, which is the energy it's said with. Does that support your what you're seeking, or is it not helpful?
1: Mm. I see. So does it does the energy of saying those words support the, my what I'm trying to communicate?
0: Yeah, and, and what you want to happen even, especially with a partner. Usually, you know, if, if I'm talking to my partner and I'm saying it and I have a lot of energy, she feels the energy, mm. right? And she'll say, wow, you, are you, you're really angry. I'm, no, I'm not angry. I'm just, <laughs> you know, and of course I am angry. And so, yeah. and so to really see what's, happening here helps what happens there
1: so with i mean i guess to be mindful to have mindful speech mm-hmm. does that mean like i should wait like kind of hold off from sharing things by the way or like well, n-
0: not necessarily you might but you okay. you could wait or you could pause or you could first feel the anger that's here or the energy that's here whatever it is and then you could even say i have a lot of energy about this but i want to talk about what happened yesterday right so so you're also being very clear with your speech and honest with your speech about what about what is speaking meaning what's mm. happening in your location
1: mm. got it great thank you
0: okay good okay um uh irma hi irma
7: hi eugene um i had a situation come up this weekend and this talk is really helpful at first i was a little confused by the by how to apply it okay so i was dealing with an issue at home with my husband uh who was not following doctor's orders and then who um, was who what my husband he was not following doctor's orders oh, gotcha, and i started gotcha. to like freak out yeah and so i was trying to like dig my heels in and not like no no don't do that because i was scared i don't want what happened six years ago to happen again
6: yeah
7: <clears throat> but in the process of that i realized that i was like trying to get in the way of a tsunami there's nothing i can do nature's gonna take its course right and so i kind of sat uh with it for a little bit and i i mean it took me two days actually not a little bit so then I had a conversation with my sister who doesn't believe in the vaccination and I've been holding back, not speaking my truth for all this time. Mm-hmm. And I knew all along that it was because I didn't want to lose her. Um, I don't want her out of my life. Sure. And she's a year and a half younger than me but she's got mental health issues and that was a real concern for me. And yeah. um, after I went through this experience with my husband I realized a lot of things about how I can't take on a tsunami. I cannot take on nature just by looking out my window and I was sobbing, like, oh, my word, what's, what's going on inside? Like, how come I'm so scared of my husband's situation? And I went through that. So when I got on the phone with my sister, I felt like my heart just opened up. Like, I felt like this, I'm going to lose you anyway. I have nothing to do with whatever happens to you. Really? And I'm compromising my truth. And I have to risk, like, do I, do I keep doing this, like, being dishonest by withholding? And I felt like my heart opened up and my tone was, like, so calm. Because normally I'm like, what stuff," you know, and right. and I was so calm. Uh-huh. And I told her, uh-huh. you no, I don't understand you and all I can do is love you. And then I just let her have it. Like, like almost like with a white glove, just boom, uh-huh. just let her have it, right? And I was a little confused because it kind of stood in my mind these last couple of days. Like, did I do the right thing? Did, was I... You know, was mm. I angry? Was I? And right now with this talk, my it it came from a place of truth and love,
2: uh-huh. like. Right. But
7: also for me, like not compromising myself anymore, being yeah. and speaking my truth. And I kind of noticed her reaction because, like, what you just said, she picked up on that energy, and she did not get defensive. Yeah, she would have just hung up on no, me. No, no, no,
0: that's but beautiful. She didn't. Right. No, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful understanding of what's happening here is going to impact what's happening there. And, you know, sometimes people have reactions, even if nothing's happening here. But if something's happening here, it's much easier to react to it because it's not just the words, it's the energy and, uh, that gets transmitted with the words. And so what you're saying is really beautiful. Your open-heartedness and kindness and clarity was what got transmitted. And she'll do whatever she needs to do, right? Which you already knew. And and that got you to, to speak to her in a very relaxed way.
7: Yeah, um, when I spoke to my younger brother about her, about the situation, because he's been working on her too, and her she doesn't know we're both working together trying to get her to do what's, you know, for her own safety. Um, when I told him, um, I, felt, I felt relieved because mm-hmm. somebody else is in on this, you know, uh, she's buying into all of the theories and stuff.
6: Mm-hmm. But
7: at the same time, um, I felt um, like I knew that I could lose her, like she could just like say, you know what, you know, and just but i told my brother i'm willing to take that chance at this point because there's absolutely nothing i can yeah, do to change her mind yeah. after all this time
0: and also who knows and you know i'm vaccinated i'm i think vaccination is good But there are people who are not vaccinated who I've learned to listen to, and they have some really good reasons and their own understanding. And of course, that's their choice. And so I don't try to get people to vaccinate anymore, which I did for a while. And it's a little bit of learning to really respect. Everybody's gonna make their own decision about COVID and everything else in the world. Right.
7: Yeah. Like with my husband's situation, same thing. I just said, you know what, I'm getting out of the way. And I was very kind. I said, here's the iPad. Do your own research.
2: Uh-huh.
7: I, if you need support, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, look. Yeah. <laughs> because I wind up getting hurt and frustrated and nothing's. And so today I came in and he was like, I got it. This is what's happening. Da-da-da-dum. Cool. Right. I'm grateful.
0: <laughs> well you sound not just oh. grateful but like you're doing great <laughs> oh, you. really no no that's really good that's really like where practice can keep leading us yeah
7: that's encouraging thank you Gina.
0: Okay, thank, thank, you, you. thank you very much okay fiona uh we're we're out of time but if it's quick we could talk for a minute
2: Sure. Well, thank you, thank you, Eugene, uh, for the talk. Um, just welcome. a quick point about sure. the, the need to be truthful in our conversations. I mean, you know, we—I really relish um, having close conversations with my friends and, and banter and back and forth and oh. joking and everything. And you mm-hmm. made a reference to your own joking um, mm-hmm. and how you felt that that wasn't truthful. Well, isn't that all part of your personality or my personality of who we are when we? <sighs>
0: Right. All I'm, saying, all I'm saying is look at the intention when it's happening. Why? Sometimes it's fine to laugh. And I mean, I was with friends last night. I was going to mention what happened with them, but it too much talk. But um, but really, and, and at some point, I laughed so hard. They were being so funny and the laugh, laughter is great. Mm. And there are times when it's being used to get away from other feelings, that's what I'm pointing at, and so that's all. It's just looking at what's the intention, right? Right. And that right. makes it, and that clarifies like when to use humor and be. It's okay to make jokes, uh, but if I'm making a joke by telling a complete lie and people don't know it, that's not so skillful. Sure. Sure. Thank okay?
3: you. Thank yeah. you.
0: Thank you. Okay, everybody. We'll just do a little sharing of merit, uh, appreciating our good fortune that we can practice here together. May it be for the benefit Mm of ourselves, each of us, and one another, and for all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings learn how to speak and listen while they do it in an embodied way, in an embodied dharmic way. May all beings be free. Okay, everybody, Uh, I'll be here next week. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm here next week if you have a a talk i'm just in general i'm looking for people to send me talk topics that they would like me to talk about if you have them send it into sfi i'll get it and maybe i'll do it maybe i won't i don't know but i'd love to hear what you're interested in okay thank you everybody be well stay healthy thank
7: you eugene good night everyone
0: Good to be here with all of you. Good
7: to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Nice Take to see everybody. Take you. care.
0: Yeah. Stay healthy. However you can.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank
0: you, okay.